The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are uh, recording earlier than normal, like, we, it's Wednesday night, we usually record on Friday nights, and I just got home from seeing Blockers, but uh, tonight's episode, we're gonna be stalking, uh, oh, stalking, we're gonna be stalking Loretta Lynn and her, uh, as, well, I guess Sissy Spacek playing Loretta Lynn in Coal Miner's Daughter, um... But before we get to that, we like to take a look at what we've been watching since the last time we recorded one of these, uh, which may not be much since it was only a few days ago. But um, then also just the general question of how's it going, Corey? It's going. Well, I I am counting down my days to going to New York, Corey. I'm a week away from uh, getting on an airplane and flying off to the Big Apple. Holy shiitake correct uh exactly i cannot wait to get a piece of the shiitake i get i don't know uh <laughs> i hope you just mean cheesecake please get some new york cheesecake um i don't You're know not I, eating sugar i am avoiding sugar uh i'm also not eating meat right now but um <laughs> well i eat fish still i'm that type of vegetarian i guess um, pescatarian i would oh it, i'm not religious um no it's i it's, know it's a joke i keep well, making it's from I a can't. movie I can't even remember away. what movie it is. It's, <laughs> I'm putting down headphones, guys. Bye. Um, but uh, no, you know, I am not a vegetarian for uh, like ethical. An- yeah, it's not. A, it's not like oh, the treatment of animals. And I'm not saying it's you shouldn't be. I'm just saying I'm not. It's because of health things. Um, inspired by one of my heroes, Kevin Smith, uh, to make a to change to my diet. And so far, not not bad. Although. Today was evil with sugar temptation, Corey. Uh, there's this food truck out here in Lake Wales uh, that's called Vintage Donuts. Oh, shoot. I've that, seen. Mike ah, really? Pictures of that. I've heard some very... Yes, yes. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about it. And my boss had them come and park their food truck outside of our school today. And all the <gasps> teachers got a free donut. And I was like, well... I have to try it because I keep hearing how good it is and it's free and it's literally in my front yard essentially because I'm at work most of the time. Um, so I, I convinced uh, my friend Ryan who does the podcast thinking about with me to, to get a donut. He doesn't usually eat unhealthy. and like, I'm like, dude, I don't want to eat one without like someone else doing something they don't normally do. Like, you know, let's both be bad with the donuts. So I go to get my donut. Horrible friend. I, yeah, I peer pressured, and he's like, That's so me. He, he was telling someone, he's like, I, he peer pressured me. I'm like, I totally did. I'll take full credit. I totally peer pressured him. But did he enjoy that donut, though? I think he did. Um, and here's the thing, though, Corey. So I go up and I get my donut, and there's three options. These are like old school style donuts, all handmade. Uh, and there's chocolate, like the chocolate iced. There's regular glaze, and then there's cinnamon. And I probably should have got cinnamon, but I did get chocolate because I couldn't not get the chocolate. But so I, I put my hand out to get my donut and the woman goes, here's two because one's a little small. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
I know. Like oh, two weeks ago, that would have been the greatest thing ever. Today, it's like, no. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Like, oh no. So yeah, I ate both, and <laughs> but so we have a meeting after school. It was an early release day for us. We have a meeting after school, and I walk into the meeting, and there's a giant tray of cookies. Like everybody, take a cookie. I didn't take a cookie. I was good there. I was I was true to myself. <sighs> Didn't get a cookie, but so I'm sitting at my little table with my my crew, my three other people because it's like groups of four, and another teacher's walking around all the tables throwing chocolate bars like miniatures on the tables. I'm like, are y'all kidding? Like, what is this? And I, I pushed them away. Also, I didn't eat any of those, but it was it was like, what is happening with all the sugar today? Like, that's but, the worst. Yeah, but uh, honestly, I, I I do have a sweet tooth at times, but the I think the donuts satisfied them this morning. Um, I, I, was it know, worth the hype? They were really good, uh, and um, I think I, if I heard correctly, they're not cheap. I think it's like three bucks for one of the donuts, like normally. But um, because they are, you know, from scratch, handmade, and they are, they're they're very tasty. They're very like a distinctive taste, though. Like I don't think I've had a donut like them in a, in a good way. Like that's why you would pay three dollars because this is a very probably yeah you're not getting like what you're gonna get at any other donut place so, it is john i feel like you should look at it this way <laughs> i'm sorry to you know interrupt you but no. at least it was real sugar and not like probably high fructose corn syrup and you know that's true all those it, horrible things and it was you can pro- pronounce what you ate probably somewhat healthy uh compared to other potential donuts <laughs> um i mean as healthy as a donut could imaginably be but I do the two. The two was brutal um, and delicious, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, like so that, that this week's been going by really quick. And I'm looking ahead to New York. I cannot wait. Except, I don't know. It's is it really cold still in Idaho? You know, I'm. We don't really know day to day. It's oh. just whatever. Because <laughs> it snowed on the second. It rained, and any time that it rains here, it gets pretty chilly. Um, but. It's been hanging between, like, I think 40 to 60-ish. Yeah, well, it's been relatively hot here in Florida. Um, right now, it's 67 degrees outside, so I'm, I'm speaking a little out of turn. It did cool down for some reason tonight, but I'm looking at next week's forecast in New York, and it's, like, in the 30s to 50s, and I'm like, what's ha- what's happening? I, I'm not ready for that weather again. Like, you know, so... I wouldn't mind it being. I like the idea of it being cool, and I wouldn't mind seeing snow because I've never. I've seen snow like maybe once, like real snow, and not a lot of it, mind you. So it would be cool, I guess. But at the same time, I don't really. That's it's harder to pack now because I don't know what to bring because I I get hot easy. The so, layers. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. So if I if I don't bring shorts though, I'll be miserable if it gets hot while I'm there. But if so I how long are you there? Five days. Oh my god, who are you talking to? The girl that comes to Florida for two weeks with only a carry-on bag. (laughs) But to be, and I I mean no insult, you're with us though, so like you have access to normal, exactly, where I will not have that option, so um, I'm I'm debating on whether I want to bring like jeans and shorts or whatever, you know, but um, I am excited about it, I, uh, my, our, BurkeReviews.com's editor David Ortega is going to be coming with me. Uh, we're both really looking forward to this opportunity uh, to cover Tribeca. There's a lot of cool movies that are going to be playing there. I can't wait to see. Um, but we do need to, I guess, uh, turn our attention to what we've been watching uh, instead of what I will be watching. So, 
Um, have you seen anything aside from Coal Miner's Daughter since uh, we last recorded? I've watched three episodes of Big Love. And that is a rewatch for you. Yeah, I just love that show so much. And I've, so when I love things, I rewatch them multiple times usually. And this is only my second rewatch of this. And I remember watching pretty much, it was still on air. I was just a season behind and I would rent it. And like the Mormon church and, you know, a lot of people were up in arms about like the things that they were doing in the show. Um, apparently there are like a couple of things in the show that they do that are kind of, uh, treated like secret. Only people that partake in those, I guess you can call them ceremonies really know about them. And here they were being televised on HBO. So it's just really interesting, like going through and, you know, seeing some of those things or so yeah, but it's a rewatch for me. And I also forgot that Harry Dean Stanton is a huge part in this show. Oh. So, and Bill watched, like, some of an episode with me the other day, and he's like, you know, the show isn't that old for so many actors in it to have passed Died. away. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And, like, I mean, Harry Dean Stanton, wasn't he, like, 92? He was 92. He lived a, a very full life. Okay, but Bill Paxton, I think, was in his early 60s. Yes. It's he... just, they're, you know, too big characters in that show but it's very good if anyone's very interested in you know i've been interested since bill paxton's passing i actually hadn't heard much of it i guess beforehand um and it when he when he died a lot of the podcasts i listened to were talking about the show and so it's been on my radar and then now you've you've obviously given it a a very big recommendation um it might be one that i try to squeeze in um you know when i'm just working or something like when i can have it on in the background like um jennifer I think it's Jennifer Goodwin uh, plays one of his wives and then Jeanette Triplehorn I think um, plays his first wife and then uh, Chloe Sevigny plays oh his second wife and she I mean it, I don't feel like it's really a spoiler she's a nutcase in the show and just like going back and rewatching, and I'm like oh my god you're crazy um, and then I'm forgetting who the mom is from Oh, geez. She plays Lois in this, and she always plays a crazy mother. She was also the mother in Twin Peaks. Um, the Laura Palmer's mother? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't remember the actress's name, but she's wacko in, in Twin Peaks. She, so. Yeah, and, and I mean, she's such a great actress, but she's a crazy mother in this, too. And, you know, I'm gonna... I feel well, like I need to look her up real well, fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Big Love is the only thing you've seen since uh, Friday? Yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to do anything. No, wor- yeah, no, 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 no doubts, no doubts, um, no judgments either. I, I put a lot of time into watching stuff uh, for the site and whatnot. In fact, um, I made a kind of a, not a joke, but a setup for a joke earlier when I said, have we had time to watch anything? Because I, the day after we recorded, I went to the Florida Film Festival and oh, yeah. saw uh, three feature films and several shorts. Um, and then I watched... Uh, just one on Sunday, and then I've watched a couple of things. Uh, on Monday, I went back to the Florida Film Festival and watched two movies, and I'm just going to kind of burn through this list, but I've also shown my students two movies this week, um, which I don't always count on my view list, but I uh, I did manage to catch both of them to the majority, um, and then I just came out of blockers right before recording this. So um, I saw Cold November, The Power of Glove. Uh, th- some of these are going to be shorts. The Tables... Life After, 
those are both shorts. Lean on Pete, got to see the new A24 film. Um, the Accomplice and My Loyal Audience are both shorts. The Accomplice uh, has Evan Peters in it, and if, if it becomes available to watch, it is great. Very, very funny, very true short. Like, it's only, like, I think under 10 minutes. Um, Magic Bullets, another short. I saw a documentary called Mr. Fish, Cartooning from the Deep End, which I liked a whole lot. Uh, showed my students Double Digits, the story of a neighborhood movie star, which is a documentary. Um, my favorite two films that I've seen since Friday, Hearts Beat Loud, the new Nick Offerman film. <gasps> Um, absolutely amazing. In fact, the trailer just dropped on IMDb a few minutes ago, I believe, uh, when we're recording this. So if you look that up, you do have a trailer now. Um, it is such a fantastic movie. Uh, I'm going to spend a little more time with this one. It's directed by Brett Haley. Also stars uh, Kiersey Clemens. Ted Danson has a very fun small part. Tony Collette, who we all know is uh, amazing. And then Sasha Lane, who um, if you saw American... Oh... American Honey... Uh, I think from 2015, 2016, um, 2016, she is, uh, fantastic in that movie. And then she's in a couple of other things this year, the miseducation of Cameron post, which I'm going to see at Tribeca. And then there's something else that she has coming out. Oh, she's going to be in the new Hellboy movie, uh, with, um, the guy that plays Hopper from stranger things, whose name isn't coming to me for some reason, but, uh, hearts be loud is such a loving film. It is my review will be up before the end of the week and I, I did, no spoilers, but I do um, basically point out why the movie's excellent. And there's three key things for me is it, it, it builds really great characters, but it does so very organically. They feel very lived in. It doesn't it go through lots of exposition or backstory, but you do know who these people are by the end. And it does feel like the actors know who they are. Um, the music is, a, is pretty fantastic. It's not as great like, I don't think it's going to replace Rudderless as my favorite movie, like, band soundtrack, but it is a band-based movie, so, like, you have two characters that form a band, and the music that they create is great. And, um, and Nick Offerman, that dude, that dude. I just love him. Seeing him happy is the best thing every time. Like, Don't you follow his Instagram? I, I totally do, yeah, um, and his wife uh, Megan Maloney's uh, Instagram as well because she posts stuff of him all the time but they're a couple um he when he smiles it is the most like I don't think there's anything more happy to me there's an episode of Parks and Rec where goofy yeah when he sees little Sebastian and he loses his (laughs) crap it is it is like it makes me so happy because it's just he's so he looks so stern that when he smiles, it is, like, completely different. And that's... You get that a lot in this movie. There's a scene where he just is, like, grinning so hard. And it is, it's infectious. Like, how can you not smile back at that smile? Um, but then I also got to see Tully right after seeing Hearts Beat Loud. Um, Tully is the third film with Jason Reitman directing and Diablo Cody writing. Uh, it's the second of the three that they've done together with Charlize Theron in the lead. Um... I didn't like, I didn't, that's not true. I liked Young Adult. I didn't love Young Adult. I am a huge fan of Juno. Juno is in my top 50 movies. It's probably my favorite coming of age story. Um, Tully is great. Uh, it is It is different in many ways. Um, I do feel like Diablo Cody is maybe each of those three films. Um, they're not the same characters, but I do feel like it's a trilogy of her life kind of because it's, Juno's like the young kid who thinks she knows everything, but then is hit with a harsh reality that makes her kind of rethink who she is. 
um, young adult is a woman who is in her 30s who hasn't quite grown up yet. Like, she's still kind of stuck back in being high school, and the success she's had in life is went to her head, and she's trying... And the fact that the character constantly keeps telling people she's, an, she's a writer which Diablo Cody won an Oscar for her first screenplay of Juno. So I feel like there's some autobiographical stuff probably being worked out in young adult. Um, like that her, cause I think her second movie was Jennifer's body with Megan Fox. And that movie didn't do as well um, as Juno. I hear such people, some people love it and then mm-hmm. some people hate it. It has a cult not... following um, for sure. Yeah. And that's, but it, I think when you when you're when you win an Oscar with your first screenplay, I think the expectations are so high. It's like the sophomore slump with musicians. You know, usually the second album isn't as good, and it's the same with a lot of things. And I think that maybe young adults are kind of working some of that stuff out. Um, and then Tully, I think, is a little older, um, maybe you know, going through motherhood, what it's like to be a parent, and it's. Um, it's great, and, and it's it's actually a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. I, I thought it would be a much... Uh, it's It may not be funny to everyone. It's cynical funny, and I am a fan of cynical kind of stereo... Not stereo... Sarcastic humor, um, and Charlize Theron, like, nails the performance with that, and I was a little surprised at that, actually, but I I, uh, I, I really enjoy Tully um, a lot. It's not perfect, which I hate that expression now, but it's just something that I keep uttering, there, there are some flaws with it, um, but nothing that I didn't... It didn't tarnish my experience. I did give it my full must-see rating, just like Hearts Beat Loud. Although I did like Hearts Beat Loud more. And right now, I have seen, I think, 50 movies from 2018. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, and it, I would say Hearts Beat Loud is in my top four. Um, oh. And uh, that's a, it's a big list on that because I also have Blind Spotting from... South by Southwest is like right now my number one movie from 2018, and then uh, A Quiet Place is sitting at number two right now. So you know, Hearts Beat Loud is up there with those movies for me. Um, and then I saw a Coal Miner's Daughter, of course, that we're going to talk about momentarily. Attack the Block, which was a rewatch for me, but I showed some of my students today. Um, that's John Boyega's first big film. Um, it is produced by uh, Edgar Wright and does have like. It's a very small part by uh, Nick Frost, oh. but um, I, we had a, a different type of day today, and I thought it would be a fun kind of watchable movie with my students who are, you know, second and third year film students, and um, I, I was, as I expected, they all were really into it. It's a it's a fun sci-fi horror film, and then I just saw Blockers, which um, I won't give a full review yet. I don't I haven't worked all my thoughts out. I I went in hearing a lot of praise for Blockers. And I, I think it might have been a little overhyped for me. I still really liked it, but I'd heard people like comparing it, uh, saying it was one of the funniest movies of the year. I didn't find it to be the funniest movie of the year. By I think Game Night still has that distinction. Um, actually, I, like I think I think Blind Spotting has that distinction, but n- not many people have seen that yet. But that movie, the first half of that movie is hilarious. <clears throat> Maybe the first three quarters of that movie is hilarious, and then it, it gets real for a moment and it's uh amazing even more um but um i did like blockers and i was actually really impressed with the the teenage actors because the trailers sell it as if it's just these old people trying to stop their teenagers from having sex which is the plot but the teenagers get some screen time and there is some really good work the kids are really terrific performance performers um 
and it's a it's a good movie for sure it, it is uh, i think i i do think it might have suffered with my viewing from the overhype um because i i went in expecting it to just be like where i'm keeling over laughing can't catch my breath kind of thing and it, it wasn't that um and i don't think that's the movie's fault i don't think the movie's trying to do that it is there is a definite comedic uh lean but there is there's a real story there it's not just nonsense like there's actually a lot of a lot of stuff being said by the movie that um is well done which is not always the case with this type of especially comedy that should really be called cock blockers right like it has a rooster above the name on the poster but they couldn't call it that and get it you know on tv so (laughs) um but yeah it it, it is pretty funny so uh, i would say it's definitely worth watching if you were thinking that it was just gonna be a dumb comedy it's more than that it is definitely more than that um but that's what I've been watching. I've watched quite a bit, and again, I hope I didn't talk too long-winded, but um, Hearts Beat Loud is going to be in theaters everywhere this summer. Uh, please keep your eyes out for it. If it comes near you, you need to see it. It is fantastic. Nick Offerman totally deserves to be a lead more often. Um, he definitely can carry a movie, and again, that trailer's out. I'll actually, I think I'll try to link the trailer in our on in our post for this episode because it's worth uh, checking out. I can't wait to see it. Um, and I think, Corey, unless you remembered seeing something else, I think we're ready to uh, move into Coal Miner's Daughter. Okay. All right, let's get through the stats. Uh, Cole, our, our theme this month um, is 1980s movies. Uh, in retrospect, I kind of feel like we should have just picked a year, like 88 or something. Um, but cause We can do that later. We can, There's totally. So but that's the problem, I think, is that doing the whole decade for four four weeks we're barely tapping the 80s movies we haven't seen you know what i'm saying like we're getting four out of the out of the probably hundreds One million yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh but you picked for this week's episode coal miner's daughter from 1980 uh directed by michael apted starring sissy spacek tommy lee jones a very young tommy lee jones um uh, yeah which was unfamiliar for me and then i don't think there's too many other super big names. A lot of these people don't even have headshots. Um, but there is Beverly D'Angelo plays Patsy Cline, uh, who, if you're not familiar with her name, you one, you probably should be, but two, uh, she is um, in the vacation movies with Chevy Chase. She's the wife in most of them, um, including my, the, my favorite, uh, Christmas Vacation. I want to talk about someone. Okay. Okay, William Sanderson plays the, like, the moonshine. No, no, he doesn't make moonshine. He makes whiskey, I think. Mm. He's bad guy, and he is in so many things. He was in, um, he was J.F. Sebastian in Blade Runner. I know him most from True Blood. He plays Sheriff Deer, uh, Bud Dearborn. He's kind of a goob. But he's been in so many things. And at first I was like, oh my god, I know this guy. Um, but he's been in a lot of things. And mm. I just thought we should... No, definitely. Right. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize who it was. And he's not in this movie for very long, right? Very like we, he's in like a few opening sequences. Um, and then uh, the only other person with a picture early on is Levon Helm, who was in Shooter, The Right Stuff, and The Three Burials. Oh, that's an interesting thing. I didn't know this movie existed, but there's a movie called Three Burials. Okay, it's not loading. Thanks. Thanks, uh, IMDb. Load. It's the Three Burials of something, something, something that won't load, so I don't know what it is. Oh, of Melquita's Estrada? Yeah. 
That's a long name with starting with three. Was, I wonder if three billboards was inspired by. That was the original title. I guess they just went to three burials. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. My my app is not loading very well. It's loading the stuff I need, I guess. But and hold on. Apparently, Tommy Lee Jones. Are you talking about Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones or Levon Helm? Levon Helm, but yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. I think is oh in it God, as well. Oh my God, Dwight Yoakam is in that. Wow. And January Jones. What are we doing? Well, Coal Miner's Daughter um, has an 87 Metascore, but only with six critic reviews and a 7.5 IMDb score. Um, and, yeah, Corey, uh, you know what I realized after we recorded last week? I didn't ask you why you picked this movie. I'm kind of curious what made you go for this one. Out of all the movies in the 80s, you picked Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, what, what drew you to this? Um, I was raised on classic country, guys. Um, I have been wanting to see this movie for a while, and I've actually been to Loretta Lynn's ranch. Oh. As a small child with my grandmother. We went on a crazy, crazy whirlwind, like, road trip one summer. There were, like, five of us in the car. We wanted to murder each other. But we went to Loretta Lynn's ranch there in Tennessee, and I really want to go back to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I harass your wife about it all the time. Yeah, my and, wife would love to go. And if I get to go, I really want to go to Nashville, but I would love to go to her ranch again. Now, but, yeah. Well, well, given that all that information, how how did you manage to not see this movie for so long? I don't know. Because, uh... I think, mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead. I feel like it's just one of those movies that... I have intentions to watch, and I just never get to it because there are so many movies to watch. There are. There are, for sure. You know, and it's like sometimes I just forget about it. So I think that when we were looking at, or, you know, when I was filling in my selections for this movie, I I just Googled, like, movies in the 80s, and then... Okay. Because, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I did something similar when I was picking mine. Uh, you know, Paris... Uh, Paris, Texas was on my radar because of Harry Dean Stanton's death, and it's been on my radar for a while. And we were supposed to do it on an earlier episode, and we ended up pushing it back for something. And um, that was, like, as immediately, I was like, oh, that's a good time to put this one back on my list. And then for next week's episode, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I, I bought it. I bought the movie we were watching, like, a year ago, and I've been meaning to watch it for a year. So it was like, oh, that's another obvious choice. Um, so... That's where my mind came from, and I didn't even really give mine a lot of thought. I just confirmed that these movies were from the 80s. I'm like, perfect. Um, but I, I expected my wife to watch this movie with me, because I know she's a really big fan of Coal Miner's Daughter, and I've caught bits and pieces of it. I definitely had not seen it from beginning to end. Um, and she was uh, she had to go do something last night, so she wasn't able to watch it with me. And I rented it from Amazon you know, um, to watch, and I went and saw Blockers tonight when I came home. You, I'm walking in my door, and you texted that you needed, like, ten more minutes to finish it. Yeah. And as I open the door, uh, Kathy is on the last, like, scene of the movie. <laughs> like, yes! so she she See, took, we were, like... Yeah. She took advantage of uh, the rental having 24 hours or whatever to, to watch it again, and she was watching it. So um, it's a movie she loves, uh, and I think that's a good way to segue into what do we think. So... You've waited all this time. You've got all this history with why this movie should appeal to you. What were your initial thoughts about Coal Miner's Daughter? Um, I was I was really surprised. Um, not that I thought that it wasn't going to be good. It's very beloved. Um, that's why I was thinking we should just buy it. But 
then we didn't have enough time. Um, so, I I mean, it's Sissy Spacek, and I haven't seen her many things, but she's been great. But I feel like that's a big, interesting role to fill, because, I mean, she's from Kentucky. She obviously has a very distinct way that she talks and sings mm-hmm. and like you said i i haven't seen tommy lee jones this young in anything um i i liked it a lot very good so it paid off then that you picked this one yeah well um before i give my thoughts uh one of my i posted last night on instagram that i was watching this movie and one of my uh, graduates um, commented on the post and said, I love that movie, uh, but seriously, Sissy Spacek did such an amazing job portraying Loretta Lynn that when I hear any song by Loretta Lynn, I picture Spacek. I also watch that movie so much that all the people closest to me hate it. Um, oh, no! <laughs> now, that's that's one of my, my graduates that uh, you know posted that on Instagram, on our Burke Review, well, my Burke Review's Instagram. But um, I... I know almost nothing about country music um i am not a fan of country music in the general sense i do like johnny cash i'm actually i would say i'm a very i'm a very big fan of very specific songs of johnny cash i definitely can't act like i've listened to his whole catalog or anything i know 10 to 15 songs five of which i think are covers from his later stuff like rusty cage hurt um, the Depeche Mode song, um, Personal Jesus. Some Jesus. Oh my God, I love that song so much. And there's a few others. Not not all of his like big big hits. Uh, a few of them are though. I do like the obvious ones. You know, Ring of Fire, etc. But um, I I would say I like Johnny Cash. That is somebody I feel very comfortable saying. I I don't think I knew a Loretta Lynn song going into this movie. Um, and I'm not here to bash country music. I don't like it. That's all I'm saying. You are entitled to like it. Just like, I'm not going to say I love this movie. I I didn't love this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. I also, I found major, like, personal things hard for me to watch in this movie. Um, not, Not like I couldn't look at it, but it was making me uncomfortable and not making me enjoy the experience of watching this movie. And I'll get into that in spoilers. I don't want to wreck anything um for the non-spoiler section but i didn't love the movie but i also again i don't hate the movie um i do think sissy spacek to agree with my student is fantastic though um i I don't again i don't know anything about loretta lynn so i don't know how good this performance is like is it does this like look like the real life loretta lynn i have no clue i don't even know what she actually looks like um but i thought spacek was fantastic i thought she was really really you know I, I i'm assuming she was singing i don't actually know if it was it was sissy spacek okay she sang for the movie and the soundtrack that they released she sang for too i had to go reading about I that you because i was just like holy hell holy hell and see every once in a while like not too long ago i was listening to i'll just listen to country music sometimes um like i like dwight yoakam that gets me a lot of heck well, and i haven't listened to any of his new stuff and i will always have a soft spot in my heart for and um oh my god now i'm bringing out andrew jackson no not andrew jackson the oh president my god. <laughs> yeah the president i'm all like talking about him now and i'm like uh never mind um but uh you know charlie pride and i 
I don't know, like my grandmother and my aunt, you know, they all listen to country and my mom listened to country when I was a kid. And then when I got to fifth grade, she stopped listening to country and she started listening to more like rock and stuff. Mm. But uh, we still listen. I don't know how to explain it. And now I need to look up his name because now I feel really self-conscious, but go ahead. Well, I, um, I do have some issues with the movie itself. I I thought the first... 20 minutes felt real real unnecessary um and this is it's a biopic and biopics do things differently from time to time so, you know some are uh way too too thorough and they go through every little detail of a person's life i mean this one doesn't start when she's a baby but mm-hmm. it, it does i feel like it spends a little bit too long with her pre-music life um since most of the rest of the film is about the music life like that's definitely where it seems to center for the last three quarters with the relationship of tommy lee jones's character and her uh of doolittle um jackson <laughs> alan jackson okay yeah. not andrew totally uh, same 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 thing no i'm kidding both aj's um yeah but I don't think it needed to be so long at the beginning because it really dragged. And uh, at least I found that it dragged at the beginning. Um, especially, again, because I feel like this, the parts that I really connected with are the music parts because of my music background. And I do have a tendency to like movies that are centered around music. And even though I didn't... Actually, I didn't dislike the songs either, but they're not songs that I would normally listen to. Um I enjoyed like the the sessions in the studio when the guy, you know, uh, the guy says something about like the pickers and all that. And I don't think that's a spoiler, but there's um, the sessions in the studio I really got into and and seeing her perform, I really enjoyed those moments. But I I didn't think I was gonna like this at all. The first twenty minutes, I was really ready to just not watch it. Um, I think you never got to pick another movie. No, 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 no. Again, <laughs> it's this is subjective. Like it's not. This is not a bad movie, mind you. Again, I, I'm stressing that, and I'll get into specifically why I think I I don't love this movie. Um, no way. Yeah, I'm. I, and the listeners might if you've listened to the uh, the podcast beforehand, but it uh, there's things that I'm just um, I found very like I don't want to watch this um, at times. And it wasn't the country music, so that was a surprise. Uh, (laughs) But, and again, there's definitely good here, and I can totally see why someone would like this movie. Um, But for me, there's things that I was just, I would have liked it to be a little shorter. It's not super long. It's two hours and seven minutes. But, um, again, that first 20 minutes really was not pulling me in. Um, And it, it also felt like an old movie. Like, I don't know... Um, if the the version that Amazon has to rent just hasn't been like touched up or whatever, because I did rent the HD version, but it looked like old movie to me. Like it had a very and it, I mean even in 1980, it's set in what like the 50s, I guess, like mid 50s, as when we we join her. Yeah. So maybe it was it looked that way on purpose to look older or whatever, and that's that's fine too. And I'm not it's not it doesn't look bad. It just looks old, and sometimes that with my personal taste sometimes that will set me off on a stupid defensive like i i i know it shouldn't but it does um i definitely am a fan of of polished newer looking content more often not always but more often and that is a stupid thing about myself that i wish wasn't the case but it's i know it about myself so that could have also been that paired with a little bit of slow start 
could have just pushed me like where I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a long two hours. But it did win me over a lot by the end, but still not one that I love. Mm. So I think that's all I have to say non-spoiler. Do you have anything to add non-spoiler? Um, I was, okay, so this is kind of related because it's about Loretta Lynn, but um, she had like a comeback in 2004, I believe, and she, I think, I don't know if they co-wrote it or if he produced it or whatever, but she released one of her last albums on Jack White's record label, which I thought was pretty cool, and that's one of the things that I love about his record label is even if I don't like the musician, and I'm not saying her, you know, but he's been, he like remakes like old R&B and he put he I think he just signed his first rapper or something but I just thought that that was really cool and it was a really cool way for her to get back um you know into the music still alive yeah she's 85 holy cow I you know I searched yesterday for something and I saw her husband's death and it I didn't register what I was I just assumed that was her death like wow okay wow I didn't realize that um okay so she did an album with, like did you say with like jack white's with her or just on his label um i think that they co-wrote it together if you give me a minute i can oh, okay. find it uh 2004 it was called van Leer rose uh the hmm. second album on which lynn either co-wrote or wrote every song it was produced by jack white and featured guitar work and backup vocals by white this is oh, from wow. wikipedia but i remember when it was released and it was one of his uh, vault packages. He does like quarterly vault packages. Hmm. Yeah, I just thought that was cool because yeah, I had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, does she still live on that ranch that you went to? Um, that I'm not sure. And like I said, I went to that when I was a kid. Well, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't sure if that's still like because I mean, people own that's... ranches for a long time, right? Like I. I you know yeah, what? I would figure. I am so out of my element right now. <laughs> like I don't know any of the stuff I'm talking about because this is. I am not. A, I am a. I live in the South, but my family was from New York, and I have no Southern uh, heritage whatsoever. So like I am when it comes to this type of stuff, completely ignorant. Um, and that's like my, we never listened. My mom never listened to country music. I honestly don't remember what music she listened to. I, I remember oh, Madonna. I think she would listen to. 80s music. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember Madonna very distinctively. Um, and I. Rick Springfield. I, no, I don't think so. She, my mom was more of the, she liked disco, and I knew, but I don't remember her listening to disco. Except, I do remember. Oh. Um, Walk Like an Egyptian. We had that album. I remember that for sure. Oh my god. You got really loud all of a sudden. What's going on? Me. Yeah. Like. I. I just got really excited. So I was looking on her website for her ranch, and she and her husband lived in the 14-room plantation home for 22 years. She has since built another house behind this one that she currently lives in. So I oh, wonder okay. if that's the one that they're like... Oh, 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 oh we're not in spoilers. Okay, fine. Um, in fact, though, let's move to it's spoilers. It's real life, though. I know, okay. but... It's still technically a spoiler. Okay, guys. We're going to talk about Coal Miner's Daughter from 1980. If you want to go check it out, uh, please do. But from here forward, we're going to be spoiling this movie and talking about it in great detail. And you have been warned. And before we spoil, it is noted 
that it is uh, not available to stream anywhere for free. It we does have, to, have to be rented, or I think it's on Cinemax though. So if you have Cinemax, oh yep, it might be on demand there. But um, otherwise, it is it is a buy. Um, okay, so the part that I I that made me unhappy was the relationship with Doolittle Lynn and uh, Loretta Lynn, um, because. It is it is way more complex than I would have expected because it's abusive, but there's still clearly love, and um, it's not like it's definitely I can't justify the abuse because he's he's he promises Loretta's father that he won't hit her and literally hits her the the first night of their wedding like they're on their quote unquote honeymoon and he slaps her because she doesn't want to have sex. Um, now, keep in mind, she was 14 when they got married, which is bothersome, too. Uh, and she's instantly pregnant. Um, and so I, I do. I have so many little things I want to nitpick about this movie, by the way. But I, I had a hard time with a lot of their, like, fighting and, and things. It just made it unenjoyable. You know, and again, it's not excessive. He never, like almost kills her or anything like he hits her she breaks his finger on accident with like her purse and it, you know there's there's little fights they're never massive but he's always so mean spirited and controlling to like up until maybe three quarters of her life like there I is feel... this even okay. like the music thing he kind of orchestrates and forces her into being a musician although she does love it and so you could argue like, well, she wouldn't have ever, she wouldn't have found her passion if he wasn't so pushy. But it's like, yeah, but he was really, really pushy because he thought he had a meal ticket, like, which I mm, go ahead. But I okay, so I feel like we should also say that this did take. They did get married in Kentucky, and it was nineteen forty four, nineteen forty five or forty six, which I still don't think is oh, okay. okay, and still think that it's very strange. She was twenty one. And she did have four children by the time she was 19, guys. Holy hell. Yeah, that's but a lot of kids. I, yeah, and they end up having six. But can you imagine? I can't imagine having, like, one right now. My, like, like the thought of four? Holy heck. Well, that's like now, a kid a year. By, by the mention of the kids, I'd like to point out, they just vanish. Um, Like, she goes on tour, and we hear him tell her that uh, her mother's going to watch them while they go, like, play these shows or whatever. And this is before she's famous. But those kids are never seen again in the movie. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. When do you see the four kids again? Oh, you're right. It's just the twins. It's the twins show up. and So, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, I mean, I... you said 19, right? So I don't know when she gets famous. But let's say it's been 10 years. So those kids are, like, in high school or something when the twins are born, right? That's my guess. They, I, I have no clue how long we're with her. Uh, she's clearly much older at the end of the movie, but the twins still look teenage. So that means a couple of things are possible there. Um, but those four kids are just gone. Now, I don't know if that's representative of her real life. Did she abandon the four kids and leave them with her uh, her family in Kentucky? Or are they a part of their lives? Because they're not seen in the movie again. Um, and I brought that up to my wife after I watched it because she's like, what'd you think? I'm like, well... I like parts of it, but what happened to the kids? She's like, yeah, that always bothered me. I don't know what happens to the kids. I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. Cause it, it, I, and again, I don't know her life, so maybe that's factual. But it did feel like a major, like, like she had four kids. 
and they're just gone like does she not content does she not even see them anymore because that's that says a lot about who she was to me like you just abandoned four children for your music career because that's that kind of makes you look awful like you know what i mean like the way it's in the movie again she may have been a great mother but they don't depict that part of her life but they did it first yeah. Well, uh, okay, so the twins are, um, her oldest children were 16 when they were, they were born, and then the youngest one was 12. So, I mean, they're older than, I feel like they could have been out of the house, because the twins are older than six, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. So. I didn't even think about that, because it seemed, I don't know. I didn't think about that because we kept seeing the twins and stuff but i was kind of sad they didn't ever show her mom again yeah they uh, well again that's more of the reason i have an issue with the first 20 minutes of this movie if you're gonna spend that much time with her family then we need to constantly be reminded about her, the importance of her family we only get two other go backs which is when her father dies and i think i think the days after he dies when she's still at home and that's it her family's done after that and again she even abandons her four kids so i don't if if we're only worried about her as a musician then we don't need those family moments and that cuts 20 minutes out of this movie i i feel like though um i i think that it was setting up like all the hardships you know it was yeah but and you don't need 20 minutes to do that though I wasn't, I was interested. I knew her dad was going to get black lung disease. And then I was just like, holy hell, they're not covering their faces. Um, Not that that's going to help with everything, but um, I, and I want to say this too. Um, I was looking it up and the house in the movie, I don't know if that's the actual house, but it looks just like her childhood home. Mm. Like it's nuts so i don't know if it's the real house um i don't know and just seeing how she made that a career the way that she did like sending out like seven inches and headshots to all of these radio stations and then driving to them and maybe you know she wouldn't take no for an answer yeah no i love those parts those parts are great um that's where the movie won me back i was really interested in all of the music stuff and i i can be interested in family stuff but mm-hmm. it didn't feel I like maybe to contrast where she's coming or like to show where she's coming from yeah and I... also she meets Dewey like early like there is like a courtship there um for a month yeah which is is rushed I felt too like it does happen not like it's rushed in a month but even in the movie the, we barely see the relationship building uh we're told that it's a month um and not that we need to see a whole month, but I, I feel like there should have been some clear progression. I think we see them three times before it's marriage time. Um, and, you know, there's some there's a couple of good moments. And again, I, I thought the way the dad clearly loved her and her role within the family. And then there is that her intelligence is constantly in question. Um, I think one of the best scenes in the movie is when she's on the radio and says... Um, horny like she says horny like five or six times because she doesn't know what horny means um and like and then there is the thing like she can't read the book about sex that he buys her because the words are so big and things like that like it has pictures yeah her intelligence is definitely 
showcase that she has very little education and i don't think that's meant to be insulting i think it's of the time um you know she was from a large family that was definitely you know struggling to get by and that's her her coal miner's daughter song literally like spells that out like her but they loved each other and that's that song is the only payoff to the beginning of the movie um because that's the only thing that we get reference of the family again after the beginning of the movie um because family doesn't seem important to her the way the film shows it because again she abandons her four children the way the film shows it i am not passing actual judgment on loretta lynn but what the film shows us is that she gives her four kids to her mother and goes off and has a music career and then when she has the twins leaves the twins to her husband and goes off and has a music career like she has minimal to do with the family the way the movie depicts it mm-hmm. and i can appreciate that yeah and i'm not even passing judgment necessarily on the movie but the way the movie shows it she is an awful parent and that's not gonna make me love the character i do respect her as an artist she's super talented and the scene what i, I referenced in the beginning of like the non-spoiler section um, when she's first recording the album and the husband's panicking, Tommy Lee Jones, who I, I really enjoy Tommy Lee Jones in this movie, by the way. Plus, the dude's like really ripped in this movie. His arms are huge. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I'm a Tommy Lee Jones fan, but like from... I, like, okay. I think The Fugitive was the first Tommy Lee Jones movie I remember seeing. And then Men in Black came out when I was a kid, and I love Men in Black, and I'm a huge fan of No Country for Old Men, which we watched last month. Um, I, I love Tommy Lee Jones, for sure this was the youngest i've ever seen him and i thought i he's he does a great job but he's a despicable person in my opinion like i i think that it's um but i do think that he truly believed in her i, I agree. don't think that he was necessarily looking for a meal ticket i didn't feel that way because he even says that it's getting between them and he's gonna go get a regular job after she breaks his hand later because he lost control though Yes, um, but I, I felt like, I didn't, I don't know, I could tell that they loved each other, and I could, I don't know, I felt like you. They definitely do, and that's, that's the, I think where I have a struggle, is I see, like, and you do, you argue with the people you love for sure, but I felt like their arguing was unhealthy, which could just be, you know, reflective of their, their upbringing, and like the time period, and things like that, um, but, like, the dad saying, don't hit my daughter, tells me that that was always a standing, like, moral. You don't beat your wife. And he, well, again, he doesn't, he's never shown beating her. Like, there's, I don't think there's ever a time where she's in the hospital because of him or anything like that. But it's still, he's so aggressive with her, the way he, like, demands things. And when he, when she breaks his finger, it does look like he's ready to beat the crap out of her. She just fights back, you know? And this, it, it was on her Wikipedia, but anyway, it's like, he never hit me one time that I didn't hit him back twice. And I could totally buy that. Yeah. I totally buy it. Um, I do love where she, she gets to go on the Grand Ole Opry like 27 times in a row. Actually, I think it was like 17. Yeah. And I do want to point out too, like I mentioned that he raised the kid or whatever, and I called her a bad parent. If that were reversed and it was the the husband on the road and the wife raising the kids, I would also say he's a bad parent. Oh, you know, no, I would say he's a bad parent, too, because I don't think one should be raising. It's like I don't feel like she should be raising her kids. I feel like 
you can't be a good parent if you're not in the kids' lives, regardless of what gender you are. And the depiction of the film is that she's never around the kids. I'm not saying he's a better parent. He does, like, I think when the twins show up, he does take the role seriously for the first time. Because I don't think he was a good parent with the four kids. Like, or at least not, again, how it's depicted. I have no idea what their real lives were like, obviously. I'm basing this solely on the biopic that was given to me. And I don't know that you need to show them multiple times, but the fact that at least we see the twins, we know the twins are around where we don't know what happened to the four kids. Like there is no evidence that they ever see them again in the movie. Like they're just the, your mom said they'll, she'll watch the kids while we go on tour. And then we never see them again in the movie. We don't even hear them talked about until the twins show up. And then that's it. Like that's the reference. And she, uh, there's the scene where she's talking to Patsy Cline, where she's clearly alluding towards an abortion. Because she's like, I don't know if I want to have these. Oh, she says, I don't want to have it. Yeah, it. It's because she doesn't know it's twins yet. And Patsy kind of like very discreetly says, there's no freaking way you can do that. You know, she doesn't say it like that. And but she makes it fun. Or she does. Not trivializing it, but she's like giving her the positives. And I really I like that whole sequence, by the way. Um, Beverly D'Angelo as Patsy Cline, I thought was really good. Um, the way they end up becoming friends that uh, Patsy Cline was apparently in a car accident and Loretta Lynn plays a song for her, like a, a cover song of a Patsy Cline song and Patsy hears it and reaches out to her. Thought that was really cool and awesome. And then they're BFFs. Do we, does that happen anymore? Well, because no. I'm so trained to assume her stabbing her in the back that I was so surprised when it became a genuine like love friendship, like that they really really needed each other and it was amazing to me i thought it was so awesome and i even like patsy Klein because she said something like um you're the talk of all the girls because they want to know what you did to get the the on the opry and like when she says she's on loretta lynn didn't do anything she's just talented um i, I don't know that that part and she says well who's been saying that well all the girls that have been sleeping with people to get on the grand Ole Opry yes or yes like that. good that's i couldn't pull that line and that was what i was thinking of that I, that's my favorite part of the movie, I think, is her and Patsy Cline and the, like, this kind of mentor-mentee relationship that builds from it. And this is, we're in spoilers, obviously, so we're talking freely, but Patsy Cline's death, I don't know if it happened, there's no way it happened like this in real life, because it's like, we have the scene where she's like, alright, well, I gotta fly out, and then, like, uh, Loretta Lynn waking up to the, the radio, like, telling her that Patsy Cline died in a plane crash, I was like... Eh, that's very movie. It feels very movie. It she was only thirty. Patsy Cline. Yeah. I didn't know that. I I know. I'm so ignorant about all of the truth of this movie. Like I know very little about any of the people that we're talking about. I also I didn't realize how old they were. Like I didn't realize how like far back we were set. Um, when I went into this movie, I had to like do some like when he there he was back from World War Two. I'm like, oh wow, okay, this is this is way older than I I realized. Um. I don't know. I, I didn't realize how like long standing her uh, country music has lasted. Um, which again, I guess I don't know if lasted fair because I don't know her music. I don't you know no one's ever hey listen to Loretta Lynn or anything. So, but um, what else? Do you have anything specific you want to mention? I'll probably be listening to Loretta Lynn for about a week. Oh. I don't understand why they call her Loretti, because that doesn't save any time. 
Nope, not at all. It's the same number of syllables, guys. Um, I don't have anything else to add. I enjoyed the movie. Well, I'm glad. And again, I, I didn't dislike the movie. I, I did enjoy a lot of the music scenes. Um, and even a lot of my complaints are nitpicks. I don't know if that is, um, you know, it's not necessarily a problematic film in any way. It's some A lot of it is my taste and, and delivery. And I am picky with biopics. I, there are some that I really, really like, and there are some that I feel are awful. Excuse me. Oh, I, I thought you were like interrupting. <laughs> no, uh, I just burped. I'm sorry. I I really hated the Tom Hiddleston, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Hank Williams movie. Um, I saw the light. I, I it was see that so bad too. I and wanted it to it be was great. So it's... bad, and then I couldn't bring myself to do it, and yeah. I waited so long. Well, you might give it a try though, because I you love this movie, and I only kind of like it, and then maybe you'll like it at least. Um, I. I really need to rewatch Walk the Line, but I did like it when I saw it the first time, but it's been a while since I saw it. Um, and I'm definitely a different movie watcher than I was when I saw it, so I'd like to re- revisit that one soon. Um, I love Steve Jobs, uh, the D- Danny Boyle biopic, which is a very unconventional biopic, um, which is something I think I liked about it so much. Uh, plus, Aaron Sorkin wrote the dialogue, and his dialogue is always in my uh, wheelhouse have to look like someone to play somebody no you don't and michael fassbender looked way better than steve jobs but um but uh this movie for me is going to fall into the decent watch rating um I, I am not upset that i didn't buy it except that i know my wife would love to own it so i probably will still end up getting it um at some point but um i i don't think i would actively rewatch this movie if my wife had it on i wouldn't walk out of the room because oh of it. no no, it's not an. In- it's it's okay no, if we don't. No, I know, I know, okay. I know. Um, I'm just like, I'm going with not quite Golden Pony Boy. Do I think it's going to be everyone's cup of tea? I don't, but I really enjoyed it. Well, um, I again, I think Sissy Spacek is really, really good in the movie. Oh my! Oh, and that is see, I forget things, and then at the end, I'm like, oh my god. So at first, I was like, okay. And like I said, you don't have to look like someone to play someone. But when she started getting famous and she, like, is wearing... I I can only assume that Sissy Spacek is wearing those big dark wigs and the blue eyeshadow and the dresses and the sequins. I was just like, holy heck. Oh, my God. She looks so much like her. And also, apparently, um, what I read is that she... um, She's in Rice. Loretta Lynn chose Sissy Spacek based on a photograph and had never watched any of her films. Oh, wow. I didn't research that very much, but... That's still really cool. Yeah, and I just... I feel like she does sound so much like her, and I think she does such a good job with that that I can totally see, you know, what your graduate was saying. Yes. Well, um... With that... Uh, that's our review of Coal Miner's Daughter. Let's look to next week. Um, about a year ago, I bought several Studio Ghibli films um, in an effort to expand my knowledge of this uh, very beloved studio and their movies. And I've only seen, still, I believe, pretty sure, Spirited Away to this date, uh, which I love. And I've actually taught Spirited Away, and I've brought several, several people into that that world of loving that movie. It is amazing. Um, and I've been meaning to get to some other ones, and unfortunately, we only are picking four total movies from nineteen eighty from the eighties, 
for this uh, podcast right now, and I I'm I hope I picked the right one. I know there's a few other ones from the '80s that we probably could have picked. And I know Mike is a big fan of one that maybe I'm thinking we should have gone with, but we're going with what I picked, um, and we're going with my neighbor Totoro um, or Tortoro. I'm I'm really bad at pronunciation of some of these names. I think it's Totoro because I'm now looking at it. There's only one R. Um, it is from 1988, so I think this is the oldest film on our our picks i'm not sure about the last one yet but it has an 86 meta score 8.2 imdb score uh directed by oh man i'm gonna butcher and i know this guy's name hayao mazaki i'm sure i butchered that i'm so sorry um but it's the studio ghibli classic it is one of the more iconic ones i see what i'm assuming is totoro all the time at like hot topic and uh you know spencer's and whatever he is i think one of the more iconic images from Studio Ghibli, uh, it looks like a big bear bunny. Cat? Is the, cat? Yeah, like those three animals kind of merge together. Um, I know very little about this other than what he looks like. I'm going to read the description for the first time. There's a photo and it has human teeth. <laughs> yes. Uh, when two girls move to the country to be near their ailing mother, they have adventures with the wondrous forest spirits who live nearby. Um, so. I yeah I'm in uh, I've already I bought this a while back. Um, uh, you know, Disney owns the distribution for the Studio Ghibli films in America, and so if you, there's like the Disney Movie Club, I, I joined and I got like five Studio Ghibli films for like a dollar, and you have to buy five more at full price to like complete your contract, which I have done. Uh, it's it's you know owning Star Wars movies and owning Marvel movies made that not such a bad situation, you know, because I was gonna buy them anyways. Um, but, uh, I, I'm looking forward to knocking another one off my list. I have, again, like four other Studio Ghibli films. I think Howl's Moving Castle might be from the eighties. I know, um, Mike's, oh, I want to hear about Mike's, Mike's Nausicaa in the Valley of the, uh, of the wind, I believe, um, is I'm pretty sure from the eighties as well. And that's one that I've, I should have watched forever ago that he's been recommending to me for a long time now. And, uh, it maybe should have been the pick. But I know it's a little sad. That's why I went with this one. I felt like this one's a little more... I don't know how happy this one is. Actually, I know nothing about this movie. It might be really sad. I have no clue. But I am excited to, to finally um, get into another one of these films. Um, I, I believe we are going to be watching the dubbed, the American dubbed version. Um, I'm not 100% sure that I'm right. I know that uh, Spirited Away has two versions. Howl's Moving Castle has two versions. There is the um, in Japanese with subtitles, and then there is the American dubbed version. Um, I think I also... the one that I have is the American dub, but oh, I hope it has both. It might have both. I, I'm not sure, uh, but but it does only have the American voice actors on the cover. Okay, so it could just be that as all there is. But um, that is what we'll be watching for our next episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club. Um, if you want to watch the film with us, or if you have any comments about. Uh, coal miner's daughter or my not loving it and Corey's loving it you can email us contact at burkreviews.com that is contact at burkreviews.com and of course you can follow us on social media i am at burkreviews on twitter instagram letterbox and Corey. at Corey r star two r's on the two end. r's on the end thank you <laughs> <laughs> um and until next time folks i think that's all we have do you have anything to say Corey? have a great week all right folks Keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.